Over the past year or two, God has taught me a lot of lessons. One of them was I spent a majority of that time trying to get my life back to where it was before everything seemed to bust loose. It was an action of control. Now, I I know now and, and have always known, but you don't want to admit it, You and I, we cannot control our lives. I mean, we can control our response to it, but as far as what happens to us, like a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer said, he said, you know what, James? I just play the cards I'm dealt. And you're here this morning because you have been dealt a hand. And whether we think we control it or whether we can't, God shows us that there is a way to respond. I know in my life, as I was saying, I thought if I could just get back to the way it was before everything busted loose, I found out God told told me in a, a still small voice, He said, James, you're never going back to that because I have a plan for you. You have grown through this. And you want to go back to something you think you control, but I'm telling you, you cannot control life. You can only control your response. And so when he shared that with me through his spirit, I said, well, you know what? You're right. So I've given up trying to get control and trying to get back to where I used to be. And now I'm just going to be what God wants me to be. And I would encourage that you find that in your journey as well, because it is with that thought that I approach with love this passage here in James chapter 1. And as I was going through it, I was going to do verses 1 through 18, but then I thought as I got into it, man, there is just so much stuff here. And so we're going to look at the first eight verses. And if this is going to be a two-part message, uh, if you are going to make your stand today, the first thing that you and I must do is to get our thinking straight. The first thing we must do is to get our thinking straight. Because let's be honest this morning, whether you are a believer in Christ or someone that wants nothing to do with him, we can all agree that this life can be difficult at times. Many critics of Jesus and of the gospel have said, well, the only reason you look to religion or the only reason you look to Christ is because your mind and your ability to reason is so weak that you need a crutch to lean upon. And I would tell that person, and many believers have told those kind of skeptics with a smile on the face, you know what, you're absolutely right. And they look at you like, huh? You are absolutely right. I depend on Jesus and lean on Him as a crutch because I know that I can't understand all that He has. I know that I cannot understand this world. I know that I cannot fully always understand what He wants me to do. So because of that, I have to lean on Him. Because of Him, I have to let Him help me walk when I cannot walk myself. I have to let Him be a part of me that is greater than myself. And so, if you are here today and you need Jesus for any reason, I would say lean into that. Be open about it and be honest about it with Him. Because, quite honestly, He already knows so many of you here today are, are loaded down with so much baggage and so much weight that even the mere mention of it brings your attention to it. The stress and the tension and maybe even the, 
the short of, shortness of breath when you start thinking about the weight of whatever it may be. But, but folks, there is no sin in admitting that you need God's help. Our thinking doesn't want to let us do that. We are taught to be self-sufficient, to be self-motivated, to look out for number one. So it is so contrary to what our na- nature tells us to do. But folks, quite honestly, we need God. If you haven't noticed this, the world is growing darker every day. I was reading somewhere today that it, it seems like that, and there is no excuse for this, but another school shooting. In 2018 alone, there have been 23 school shootings. And that is just, it's, that's not the problem, but it's just a representation of where our world is at. Years ago, they chunked out morality and they didn't want any more black and white. Are you to tell me what's wrong? Everybody wanted to be right in their own eyes. And this is a repercussion of that. There is no moral ground. Nobody wants to say right is right and wrong is wrong. And our days are going to get darker. Even in Anderson, South Carolina, human trafficking exists where, where children are sold into slavery for sex. One of the major hubs of that operation is in Atlanta, not two hours away. It's real. And it's here. And it, of course everybody knows about the drugs and the crime that is out on the street. And that's all we want to focus on, but it goes so much deeper. There's threats of wars. There's crooked politicians. Political corruption. Not to mention financial insecurity. And then just plain people that are fickle and hard to get along with. That's the world we live in. And for some, your tendency, like mine sometimes, is instead of trying to give it to God, we tend to dig in and try to fix it ourselves. Just We think if, if we can do one more thing, if I can try this thing, and then if I can just read this book, if I can get these three concepts, if I can just get this done, then I will be better. And folks, listen, digging in just makes it worse. Others, they tend to be like an ostrich and stick their head in the sand. I'll tell you what, if you stick your head in the sand and try to hide from it, it only gets bigger. Again, if you haven't noticed, the world is getting darker. But folks, we have to come to a point where we say enough is enough. We have to come to a point to where we say that we've had it with life and just simply responding to it. There's more than just taking what is given to you and saying, well, I got to do the best I can with what I got, with what I got. Sometimes we have to be proactive in how we think about life. Sometimes we cannot control life. Hear me now. We cannot control life in general, but we can control our response to it. And that is what God wants us to do. True control is not found in trying harder. True control is found in giving control to God. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? Are you fed up with being fed up? Are you tired of thinking you cannot change this world you live in? Are, are you thinking that, that if you can just say, yes, I can do this, one more thing? I'm telling you, the one more thing that you can do is give whatever you have got 
to God to work. And let me show you why. In James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read that in just a moment. And what we see here is that when adversity comes, choose to embrace it. When adversity comes, choose to embrace it. I don't know if you've ever been out on the beach before or had the the opportunity to be in in a beach or a pool that has waves. And and sometimes you'll be swimming and and everything will be fine and then you'll be with somebody and all of a sudden they get that look on their face. And then all of a sudden you start to feel the water pull away from you. And then all of a sudden they say, there's a huge wave behind you and all you can do is brace for it. That's just like adversity. When adversity comes, you can tense up, you can be loose, but whatever. We have to experience it. And so James is telling us, when adversity comes, choose to embrace it. I've always said to myself that when adversity comes into my life, I can laugh, cry, or get mad, or hold on. And I'll tell you what, I've done every one of those things. When adversity comes into my life. And maybe you have found that true in your life. Maybe even today. Maybe in years past. But most definitely on your horizon you will find that to be true. How do I know this? It's because God loves you too much not to prepare you for greater days. God loves you too much not to prepare you for greater days. He loves you so much that that these things that you're going through, these things that are building your faith, these things that are perplexing you, they are making you ready for whatever is to come in the future. He is like that strength coach at a gym that you don't want to push harder, and he says push harder. You don't want to do another rep, he says you're going to do another rep. Sometimes we need that. We need that push to get us to keep going. So as you look at God's word with me, as James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was once a doubter of his half-brother, is now one of the major influences in the beginning church and the growth of Christianity. It says in James 1.1, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So just even in that first verse, we can see a few things. Number one, why James wrote this letter and why we need to make it a part of our lives. Just in the first verse, this is a letter written to a specific audience. To Jewish believers who were scattered because of persecution. Folks, this is a letter to believers. This is a letter to you. This is a letter to myself. And it was written about 50 years after Jesus had died. And so here we are over 2,000 years later, still meditating on this letter. What had happened before this letter was written? Stephen had been martyred. He had been killed for being a Christian. The Romans were doing their best to squash this new movement they heard. It was called the way. We are here today in this church. We are part of the way. That was the movement in Christianity. And so we we have this and the Romans were doing all they could to squash it. But these believers were still forming churches. They were still getting their networks. They didn't have a church on every corner. They didn't have somebody they could call. So so James is writing to them to encourage them. 
Today, we are just as the Christians then were scattered because of, of persecution. I would say, especially here in America, we are just as scattered today. But it's not because of persecution. Yes, we, we get some pushback on, on, uh, topics and social issues and things like that. But as far as persecution, we have not really seen that here in America. But we are still disunified and we are still scattered abroad because of things like denominations. Because of things like worship styles, preaching styles, opinions on life matters, politics. All of these things are, are dividing God's people. Unlike James and the followers of the early church who were fighting for the gospel of Jesus Christ, too many today are fighting for their comfort, for their opinions, for their programs, and just quite frankly, their self-validation to make them feel like that they are a Christian. That is not what we should be fighting for. We should be fighting for the way. We should be fighting for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But either way, we are scattered And we need to remember, number one, that we are part of a movement called the way. I've told you that. And then number two, as long as we love Jesus, the world will not understand us. Then we pick up verse two through four. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, I love that, troubles of any kind, come your way. Surely this is a typo. Consider it. An opportunity for great joy. (laughs) Oh, praise Jesus, I just found out I have cancer. Oh, praise Jesus, I just lost my job. Oh, praise Jesus, I just got a bill I can't pay. Praise Jesus, I just lost a loved one. Praise Jesus, I was just in a traffic accident. Praise Him, praise Him. We don't often do that, do we? But it says here, consider it joy. And the things that I just mentioned, many of you in here have experienced some of those things. And so when you first read that and you say, oh, golly, preacher, is that really in there? It is. And I've had to go across the same verse myself. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm telling you what, when I'm in the bottom of a pit, I don't consider it great joy. But that's because my thinking was wrong. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. I don't know why. Every time I read that, I think of that Frozen movie, Let It Snow. You ever heard that song? Let it go? Well, anyway, I still think of the movie. Some of you with children could probably stand up and sing it right now. But it says, so let it grow, let it go, let it snow, whatever it may be. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Boy, I tell you what, until you are complete, I'll tell you when you're going to be complete. Right now, all of us have a sign on us that says construction, under construction, men at work, God at work. We will not be perfected until we leave this life and we go to our eternal life. That's when we will be perfect because Jesus Christ will have made us perfect. But until then, we got to read verses like this and think, how can we get our thinking right? How can we endure these things? Notice he says, 
in verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if troubles of any kind come. Is that what your translation says? It should not say if. Mine says when. I'm telling you what. If you are footloose and fancy free here today. Please give me some pointers. Please let me know how you do it. Because I'm telling you what. If you don't have some type of resistance. Some type of trouble in your life. It's coming. Because it doesn't say if it comes, but when it comes. And consider this an opportunity for great joy because test, testing brings faith, growth, and endurance. Folks, let me tell you this. If you are not growing in your faith, no matter what age you are, if you are not growing in your faith, you are dying in it. There is no floating There is no getting by. If you are floating in your faith, you are dead. Because dead people float. We are either growing or we are dying in our faith. If we are not being tested, and if our faith is not being proven to God and to others... That means it's also not being proven to ourselves. I go back and I look at some of the things that have happened in my life. And you take a moment and you think of the things that have happened in your life. And if you were to sit down and put them in your 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 calendar or wherever and you say, Okay, on this day, I'm going to be told this. On this day, I'm going to go through this. And on this day in the future, I'm going to go through this. You would be saying, there is no way I can go through that. But when we look at the rearview mirror of our faith, we see... That the one constant has been God's hand preparing us from one situation to the next. And have you ever thought that the trial that you're going through may be for the very reason of proving your faith to yourself? I mean, it's, that's not a great lesson to learn, but the thing is, is that like if you've gone through something and people say, well, I don't know how you went through that. How did you do that? And your only answer is, well, God did it. You didn't feel it at the time. It wasn't pleasant. But in the rearview mirror, you see that God was with you all along. But I don't know about you, but no one looks forward to a test. <laughs> but think about it. Without tests... How would you advance in school? How would you advance in life? Would you want people to get a driver's license without a test? Can you imagine what the roads would look like? It's bad enough now with tests. Let alone people just saying, here, take it and go. No, we study and we we try to earn that driver's license. Uh, People will have jobs that, well, they will have to take tests to go up the ladder. It's just part of life. No one looks forward to a test. Just as we don't look forward to tests that God sends us to. But we take them. Let me ask you two questions. Two questions. You with me? Just two two short questions. The first question is this. How do you know your faith in God is real without testing? How do you know your faith in God is real without testing? And then the second question is, have you ever found after the fact that a previous testing of your faith prepared you for the next one? Two simple questions that I believe James is bringing to our forefront today. And going through tests with great joy does not mean 
that you will enjoy them. However, it does mean that it is important for you to look at them in a positive light. Here's what he's talking about with great joy. It doesn't mean happy, happy, joy, joy. Woo, we got a test. Yeah. That is not the kind of joy he's saying. He said, you know what? The joy is I know that whatever this is, God is going to make something out of it, out of me, out of somebody else. But there is a purpose in this test. And so God, if it's from you, bring it on. And if it's not, get it away. We often lose sight, I think, of of um, Jacob when he wrestled with God. People don't realize that the aggressor there was not Satan. The aggressor was God. And sometimes God wrestles with us because he wants to change our character. But God wants you and I to grow as an act of our will. And it's up to us to let him. For example, last weekend, Don and I went to the Hartwell Dam. And uh, it was amazing to stand at the bottom and look up and see this huge wall holding back all of that water. And you're just thinking, if you've ever been there, I'm sure you thought, I wonder what would happen if those things opened up. (laughs) All of a sudden, water comes. You're running for the hills, buddy. It's just an amazing work. The spillwell that's located on top of the dam, it contains 12 large gates, 12 large plates. Each of them are, are 40 feet by 35 and a half feet. And for the quick release of water from the lake, water can be released, and check this out, and I can't even fathom this, 5.8 million gallons per minute. With all the floodgates open, just one foot. A crack of one foot with all the gates would bring 5.8 millions of gallons per minute. That's impressive. But did you know the gates can open up to about five or six feet? Now, I don't want to do the math on that. Because that's a lot of water fast. But the thing is, is that it's impressive. But just imagine it was fully open. Let me ask you this. Take that majestic dam and, and, and the fact that it can hold back all of that water and just one foot could bring all of that. Let me ask you, how open are your gates to God? Are you happy with one foot of whatever he gives you or do you want him in all of his glory? Do you know what opens those gates? Your will. Your obedience, your trust, and your love. Are you, are you getting enough in your faith just to get by? Or do you want all that God has for you? You will never grow in your relationship with God by only giving Him a part of yourself. If you give Him 99% of your life, we learned last week, From the rich young ruler. If you give him 99.9% of your life. He will ask for that 0.1%. That's the one that he wants. Let me ask you this. What if someone gave you a Valentine's Day card. A loved one gave you a Valentine's Day card. And says happy Valentine's Day on it. I love you with 99% of my heart. How would that go over? 
not too good. But when we look at God and we say, God, I'll give you everything but this. Are we not doing the same thing? Do not tell God you give him your life if you're not willing to give it. Because Jesus gave all of his life for you. The third thing we see is that a little faith is a divided one. No, excuse me, a lame faith is a divided one. A lame faith. In other words, lame meaning useless. A lame faith is a divided one. We see in verse 5. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He talks about wisdom here. If you need wisdom, there's a big difference between biblical wisdom and worldly wisdom. Let me read for you what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says about this. Verse 24 it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So if you are seeking wisdom, the wisdom of God, you are seeking Jesus Christ. Because He is the wisdom of God. It says in verse 27, Choose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Again, James is trying to get us to think in the right way. And if you are trying to serve worldly problems with worldly wisdom, you will fail every time. If you are trying to solve godly problems with worldly wisdom, you will fall short every time. But if you try to settle your problems in this world with godly wisdom that comes from His Word, then you have got the magic formula to be able to navigate and live through this life. Because God wants us to boast about Christ and what He has done for us, not what we have done for ourselves. But biblical wisdom gives us real life help when we apply it. And the thing is, if if we seek biblical wisdom, it gives us something that we don't have. You know what that is? Starts with a P. It's called perspective. Perspective. Some of you that are have raised children, you will remember when you were a child and all the things you thought you knew. And then your your mother, your father was secret, secretly saying to themselves, I cannot wait until they have kids. <laughs> and then when you have children... You're thinking, why didn't they tell me about this? That, and all of a sudden your whole perspective changes because you're going to be a kid to be a parent. And then when you as a parent have children, and you're thinking, I cannot wait until they have children on their own. And it just goes on and on and on because you have perspective. Folks, I don't know about you, but have any of y'all got God figured out for your life? If you do, raise your hand because I want to talk with you afterwards. You got it figured out? But I don't have it figured out. I got an idea, but I don't have it figured out. And so if you don't have it figured out for your life, and I don't have it figured out for my life, it must mean that God cannot be figured out. And so as we think about that, I think of the fact that our life is a puzzle. And everything that comes into our lives is a piece of that puzzle. And we are putting it together the best we can. But here's the thing. How many of y'all are puzzle putter togethers? 
You like the puzzles? Good. How easy would it be to put that puzzle together if you don't have a picture to go by? You could put the corners together. You could get the outside, but filling that inside, it would take you some time. Folks, God has seen the picture of your life. And He's giving you the pieces to put it together. And you say, well, that's not fair. I haven't seen the picture. Well, the thing is, He has. And He's told you in here how to see it for yourself. That's what biblical wisdom is. And then we see that we can either stand with God... Or stand apart from God. The important thing is that we just make a decision. Verses 6 through 8 says, But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Well, let me ask you this. How do you know if your faith is in God alone? I would say go back to the message last week of the rich young ruler. Jesus told that rich young ruler to sell all of his possessions and give to the poor. And then you would be able to follow him. And the man said, no thanks. And he went away sad. How do you want to know your faith is in God? Imagine your life without everything else. And see if God is enough. That's how you know. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they will be unstable in everything that we do. We have got a lot of unstable people in churches. We have a lot of unstable churches. We have a lot of unstable people in life because they are fighting the same fight that you are fighting and that I am fighting. The fight to keep Jesus Christ at the center of our life. We have given Him our salvation. Woo, we're going to heaven. We got our ticket punched. We're going to heaven. But this whole Lord thing, giving Him control of our life, and this whole take up the cross weekly on Sundays and follow Him, right? Is that what He said? No. He said, take up my cross daily and follow me. Life will always, life will always make you choose between God and something else. And most often it's yourself. And Jesus has said in Revelation 3.16 that if we are lukewarm, if we are neither hot nor cold, it says it makes him so sick that he wants to spew it out of his mouth. It makes his stomach nauseated. I will tell people in a heartbeat, if you want to live for God, live wholeheartedly for God. But if you don't, don't live like a hellion. Because this in-between thing is not working and Jesus is not impressed. So do one or the other. Because you can't do both. But what makes our faith waver? Usually it's when someone we trust and we love or we rely on is being taken away from us. If that thing that we're holding on to is taken away from us, usually our faith will waver. In conclusion, I would say this, and I've come to learn this in my life, and I lovingly share it with you. Either God is God or He is not. Either God is God or He is not. The last time I used that phrase was with a dear friend of mine who lost her husband and has three kids who is a born-again believer and a Christian 
And she was struggling and is still struggling. And I have so much respect for her. But we were texting back and forth. And she was like, well, what if this? What if that? And I just said, either he's God or he's not. Either he was in control of your husband or he wasn't. Either he's in control of you now or he's not. And you say, well, that's pretty big and bold of you to say to her. I've had to use that in my own life. And you've had to use that too. And I would lovingly tell you, either God is God or He is not. And that's what James is instructing these folks here. I have had to use these words often. And I have found that in my life that God is with me in the good and the bad. But here's the thing. In the good times, we're tempted to take God for granted. And in the bad times, we're tempted to run away from Him. Some of my most unstable times have come from a divided loyalty between God and everything that was being thrown at me. And to be quite honest, can you relate to that? Can you relate to the fact that everything is being thrown at you and sometimes your faith is challenged? I hope you can, because I don't know about you, but I get tired of being tossed back and forth. And I'm not perfect at this. I'm not preaching at you as someone who has perfected this. But I am telling you this. When I look at what's happened in life and what is going to happen in life, I try to remember that this is God and only God will be able to take care of this. I have to change my thinking. Because I'm telling you what. I go back to the garden a lot in my, in my preaching because I believe that's where all of our problems started in the garden of Eden. Adam and Eve got their mind off of God's provision for their life and they started thinking about themselves and that's when they were tempted. Folks, whatever you're going through, whatever lies ahead, whatever falls behind, whatever it may be, our thinking has to be this, that nothing in our life touches us that God does not allow. That's a bold statement, but it's the truth. Nothing, either God is God or He's not. Nothing comes into our life that God does not allow to come through. And so to make our stand today, we must start with the right thinking that no matter what we're going through, we approach it with great joy. And no matter what we're going through, we look to Him for wisdom and not the world. And no matter what we are going through, we give Him our life and not just part of it. And we can only do that if we're thinking the right way. So my question to you is, is Jesus the true Lord or the leader of your life? Has He saved you from your sins? Would you be able to explain why you know you're going to heaven? We used to ask this question a lot of times in our evangelistic programs. It would be like, if if you if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And I would ask you that same question. If God asked you, why should I let you in, what would you say? I have heard things from my grandfather was a preacher to I'm a good person, to I love my dogs. I mean, you name it. I've heard all of the things. I even heard the, well, you have to ask Jesus into your life. And then when I would say, well, have you done that? And they said, well, no. We know the answers, but it's the application. Are you seeking godly wisdom from His Word? I don't know about you, but me, 
I'm tired of being tossed back and forth in life. And it's not the wave's problems. And it's not God's problems. It's my thinking. For a double-minded person will be unstable in all that they do. Rely on God today and ask Him for wisdom. And give Him all of your life. Not just part of it. And the invitation will be this today. Is that if you would like to give God your life. To be your Savior and your Lord. Then you can do that. Come forward. I will pray with you. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray. Join the church. Be baptized. Whatever it may be. This invitation is a time for you to respond. You think, well, I just really don't want to go up in front of all these people. I understand that. But is your fear of people greater than your fear of being disobedient to God? God loves you. God wants you to respond this day. Would you please stand?